Today, the boys discuss the powerhouse animation studio Pixar and rank their top five Pixar films on a special edition episode of the I'd Like a Refund podcast. Welcome to a special edition episode of the I'd Like a Refund podcast. On today's episode, we're going to discuss Pixar. The guys and I are going to go over our top five Pixar films. But first, as always, let's intro each other in. Joel, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. I've never recorded two podcasts in the same day, so this is exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice <laughs> nice first test for us for that. Cameron, how about yourself? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm tired because we've done two podcasts today. I know. Well, <laughs> well, this is our second one. Technically, we've, we've only, only done, done one. We've only done one. This <laughs> I I, I think it's yeah. I think it's funny because the name of our podcast is "I'd Like a Refund," and these movies we're going to be talking about today are movies which we do not want to refund. Yeah, for. No, we would all, <laughs> we would all pay to see these again. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Uh, the reason we decided to go with Pixar as our first special edition episode, as many of you know, on Christmas of 2020, the movie Soul came out exclusively on Disney Plus due to all the shutdowns for the theaters. I just want to throw a little bit of discussion into that real quick. What do we all think of Disney Plus deciding to release Soul in that format? Because they have a ton of movies that they're sitting on that they've decided to shelve, and they didn't go the Mulan route with Soul, which thank God they didn't, because boy, would that have been a travesty to not be able to see soul i mean i personally might have paid an extra 30 dollars mm-hmm. to watch it just because i trust pixar but uh cameron what did you think about uh disney plus's decision to do that with soul and just soul in general i'm very sad soul didn't make it to theaters mm-hmm. uh because i would have really loved to see how it performed at the box office uh i would have loved to see soul in the theater because i think that the great beyond or you know i I don't don't want to spoil it too much for people but the the scenes that do not take place on planet earth that take place in a different dimension are very very innovative i mean the entire thing is innovative but i would have really loved to see it in theaters obviously that's not a possibility right now not safely Um, and not not here in california yeah no um i mean we're gonna talk about soul today don't worry uh but um as far as the whole Disney Plus thing goes, though, um, I mean, that's just the way things are going to be for a while. So I, you know, I can't I just I do I do really wish I could have seen it in the, you know, in theaters. Yeah. Hopefully when things at some point get back to normal, maybe they'll do a re-release of it in theaters so we yeah. can go see it. Hopefully. Um, Joel, correct me if I'm wrong. We had the Disney investors meeting a couple of weeks ago and mm-hmm. I believe their next Pixar film, which is like, what is it? Raya? Is that what they're calling it? What is that? Uh, Raya and the last dragon. Right. Is that the next Pixar one? Or is Wait, that, is that Pixar? I say, I'm pretty sure that's Walt Disney animation. <laughs> okay. Cause, cause what is the next Pixar movie? Do we know? Um, um, it's called Luca, I think, right? Oh, it's Luca. Yeah, you're oh, right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yes. Do we know if Luca's going to follow the same format or are they just going to push it to theaters? I don't know. I don't think they've said anything yet. I think they're they're hoping that right. it's going to end up being able to be in theaters. Because but... Raya and the Lost Dra- Last Dragon, they're doing the premiere thing again like they did with uh, Mulan, yes. which is a very interesting choice. So I don't know when Luca's supposed to come out, but hopefully by that time we don't have to worry about it. Um, but, Joel, what did you think about uh, the way that they handled soul this time around. I was uh, happy that it was free. Um, like <laughs> yeah. I, I for sure. Well, with the, the subscription of course, but yeah. I like you would have for sure paid for it. Like yeah. uh, I'm a huge Pixar geek. Um, Pixar and Walt Disney animation are two uh, dream jobs for me, either one of those. Um, so I would have paid for it to see it day one. Um, but I liked it. I really, really enjoyed soul and sharing the same sentiments as Cameron. I, I'm really bummed that it wasn't able to be seen in theaters because it would have been just phenomenal to see that in theaters. It, it would it, have been. It was a gorgeous film. Yeah, I think um, I think Soul is just another one along the lines with Pixar where I think they've really knocked it out of the park. And um, we don't want to discuss the other films a little bit too much yet, but we just wanted to get a little bit out for Soul just to let everybody know that that was the reason that we wanted to do this special edition episode. Because Pixar, as a studio, is one that, at least for the three of us and many other people, has like a special part, a special spot in our in our brains and our hearts as to why we love Pixar animation so much. So we have our top fives ready to go. Some of us, it was very easy to pick a top five. Some of us literally waited until we started recording to keep making changes because it's just really difficult. Uh, out of the, what is it, 23 Pixar films at this point, I would say at least 15 of them are like 
fantastic films just about that seems like a pretty Mm -hmm. reasonable number what do you guys think yeah doubt all of our lists are going to be similar there may be some crossover but we'll gladly touch on those as we get going before we get into the top five though like i said there are so many great options and not everybody can make the cut so i wanted to just see if like there was an honorable mention one that isn't in your top five but you wanted to make sure to like speak about how much you really like that film Joel, I wanted you to kick us off with that. Finding Nemo. Mm, okay. I mm. really enjoy Finding Nemo. Um, it's beautiful. It's great to look at and has a fantastic score. Nice. Very good. Uh, Cameron, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, my honorable mention is Coco. Okay. Um, I, think, I think it's interesting because it's the first time Pixar did a movie that was kind of based entirely in a in a different culture I, obviously i know we have you know like cars and bugs you know that's not necessarily a a specific culture but you know to have one based on you know mexican you know latinx culture i think was very interesting and the the movie was gorgeous i mean the art was just absolutely insane the first time you go into the world you know the world of the dead uh is absolutely gorgeous so uh it's my honorable mention nice uh and mine might be a little controversial but i'm gonna go with cars I never saw Cars when it was in theaters because I just didn't think that it was one that I would enjoy as much. And I had gotten a little older, so I didn't. I was at that stage where like I didn't really think animation films were what I should go see. <laughs> You're um, too cool, right? Exactly. Uh, but before I went to Disneyland when I moved out here, um, I knew about Cars Land, and I was like, oh well, I should. If I'm gonna go check that out, I should see the movie at least the first one just to see what it was all about, and. I really, th- I really think that's a good film. I know a lot of people think it's just like a, um, just like a cash grab kind of film. It's like we just sell a lot of merchandise, and they're right. But you can do that with most Disney films, I would say. But Cars just, I think it gets a little, little bit of too much hate because it kind of was their first film series where they just pumped out the sequels very quickly. Didn't feel, feels like it didn't take a lot of time, and their sequels aren't as good as the first one. But I really think Cars is an unsung film, and Cars Land is. I would argue is as cool as Batu at uh, at Disneyland. I really would. It's very immersive. So that is our honorable mentions, and I'm sure we could go into a lot more on the honorable mentions side. Uh, but why don't we just get this thing kicked off? Why don't we get into our lists, Joel? Why don't you go first? What is your number five film on your Pixar list? So coming in at number five for me is Ratatouille. I really like food. <laughs> and I really like music, and this did both of those for me. Um, fantastic movie. I think Brad Bird did a great job. Right. Cameron, what do you have at five? Yeah, number five, I have Finding Nemo. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Finding Nemo, I think, is kind of my um, number. Obviously, it's number five. And just to, this, these are our favorite films, not what we think are the best films. Right, yes. Uh, Actually, we should point yeah. that out that this is not what we th- this is not what we are told are the best Pixar movies. This is what we think are the best Pixar movies just for us, not for the general audience because everybody's list will be different. Yeah. And I, I think you could say finding Nemo is a perfect film. I really do. I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. It's paced very well. It's funny. It's got a great voice cast. Um, and it was for me, I mean, that movie came out in 2000. Was it 2003? Yeah. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's one of, I mean, the very first movie I ever remember seeing is Toy Story two, um, but like it like my like Finding Nemo is one of the earlier experiences remembering everything, so it kind of holds a special place in my heart. Um, I think it is a a perfect, I do think it is kind of a perfect movie, but it is number five just because that's how good Pixar is. You know, Absolutely. perfect yeah. isn't enough apparently. No, it's not. Um, and then my number five is going to be Monsters Inc. Um, Monsters Inc. was the first, like, I remember Toy Story as a kid, uh, but Monsters Inc. was, like, the first one where, like, I was, like, coherent enough to, like, really understand film a little bit mm-hmm. better. And that one just really spoke to me. I thought it was a really interesting premise because, you know, like, the, most monster movies at that point, they're not really, uh, they're not really geared towards, like, children. Most monster movies are determined as, like, horror-ish. And then this one, they still have the fear element as a part of it, but they they show it in a way where the monsters are actually like they're basically just people like they're just people living their lives their daily routines and how they interact with the human world separate from us so wait monsters inc came out before finding nemo yeah 2001 was monsters inc and 2003 was finding nemo 
Monsters Inc. Oh was my the, god! Monsters Inc. was the fourth mm-hmm. uh, Pixar film. I okay, so I remember Monsters Inc. first. Okay, I, I for some <laughs> reason I thought Finding Nemo came out earlier. Um, okay, well I'm wrong. Yes, it's okay. It we, for, we forgive you. There's a lot of these. It's hard to keep track <laughs> of when they all came out. And this was back before they were doing the two a year like they're usually doing now. Yeah. Um, so that is our top five. Or that is our number fives <laughs> so far. Yep, we're already done. <laughs> um, we're going to move on to four. Uh, Cameron, why don't you start at number four? Yeah, so my number four is The Incredibles. I mean, I, I feel like for most people, Incredibles is going to be in their top five. Um, it's just... This is, you know, obviously Incredibles came out before superheroes were in the mainstream. And part of the reason why I think Incredibles 2 was not nearly as good was because it wasn't anything special. It's what we were seeing all the time where the first Incredibles was like, oh, superheroes. They're like, it's like, oh, this is exciting. But at the same time, they were just people, you know, like the whole, you know, Bob, Bob Parr being, you know, an insurance broker and hating his life and everything like, um, you know, it's a very, it's a very relatable superhero story, which not a lot of superhero stories are relatable. Um, and it, it was just fun to, like, it was just fun to watch, you know, so everyone having powers. So and, and Incredibles, great movie. Number, my number four. Nice. Okay. I've got it. Number four. I'm going to go with Inside Out. I think Inside Out was, um, was probably the most groundbreaking film for Pixar, not in terms of animation, but in terms of storytelling, because, uh, they literally take you inside the mind of not just the main character Riley, but you see a little glimpse of every character at certain parts. And it just shows that like, it really hits hard on what it's like growing up and like how your emotions will change you and how certain parts of your emotions you kind of suppress, but at times you need to be able to show them because it's just like, it's just how humans are supposed to act. I think it's a very interesting character study on what, children and then into adulthood kind of go through so inside out my number four joel what do you have at four number four i have toy story the original one and it's so tough because like i easily and we're all gonna feel this way but like i easily probably could have said toy story was my number one you know and i'm sure you guys could all find ways to make other films your number one uh, but just what it did for the art of animation um the industry as a whole it was groundbreaking. Looking back on it now, a lot of people look back and like, ah, oh, Toy Story, you know, it wasn't that special compared to like everything else Pixar does. But growing up, it was such a important film for me. Buzz Lightyear is a character that I absolutely love and still do. It's yeah, and, and in some ways, you know, relate to with certain things. Um, so Toy Story, huge for me. As the years went on, they started coming out with a lot of really good films that it was hard to keep it up there at number one yeah. uh but yeah absolutely love toy story so number four though oh it's a great choice uh we're not talking about this stuff if it's not for the success of toy story mm-hmm. so it's yeah. a very important film uh we're gonna move on to number three i'll go first here my number three film is up uh with the film up everybody talks about those first couple of minutes that opening scene no dialogue just the score and the score tells its own story in itself with that scene it's so powerful and emotional everything that Carl and Ellie go through in that opening scene. But I think the rest of the movie is slept on just because of how good that opening is. I think Russell is a really fun character. I think Doug is a really fun character. I think the conflict is one of interest. And I think visually the setting is much better than I think people think about when it terms like Mm -hmm. the jungles and the mountains that they go to. Um, So I have up at number three, Cameron, what do you have at number three? So, for me, I will just say I think that these my top three are in a league above all the other ones. Like I consider these to be the pinnacle of anime uh, of animated film make, animated filmmaking. Goodness, um, it was specifically with Pixar, but just also in general. Um, number three, I know it just came out a couple of weeks ago, but Soul is wow absolutely stunning. Um, I so I'm I'm in the boat where I really love when Pixar takes these chances, um, and they go a little bit more conceptual, uh, and a little bit more mature, um, and I think Soul absolutely knocked it out of the park with its um, not not only with its concept, not only dealing with this insane idea where this guy he died, 
and how his soul is trying to find itself again like that's such an insane concept for a kids movie um but just in terms of like the animation i mean it was just so ingenious the the mix of 2d and 3d uh 2d lines and 3d worlds i mean just watching it, it was a spectacle and i i think the ending really 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 resonates this idea of finding you know well what am i truly living for there's more to life than the dream and i I think that's such an interesting thing to put into a kids movie where everyone can kind of relate to um so i i absolutely love soul and that's that's uh that's my number three fantastic joel number three okay so my number three and my number two film it was hard for me to pick which was going to go where because they're both very close in my mind for me uh, but for number three, I'm going with Coco here. And it was interesting because I've always kind of understood like people saying like, oh, there's no Pixar characters that look like me. Like I understand that sentiment, uh, but it was never something that particularly bothered me personally where I was like, oh, I wish there were more Pixar characters that looked like me. However, when I saw Coco in theaters, I was blown away. Like it was, it was so interesting because there was a lot of things that I was like, oh, not everybody understood that not everybody knows what that means in this culture and and just to have those feelings um and then just the film itself was just beautiful the music was fantastic a lot of great moments uh so yeah it it worked its way up uh into one of my favorites uh so coco's sitting at number three there for me nice um joel since you said your number three and your number two were so close why don't Mm -hmm. you kick us off at number two as well so my number two is inside out inside out when it came out I actually walked out of the theater and I believe I put on Facebook something like this may just be my new favorite Pixar film. Um, The more I think about it, what I have at number one is still my favorite has been for a while. Um, But inside out is just phenomenal. Like Cameron was saying uh, a little bit with soul, they got a little bit more experimental kind of um, trying something new. And like you were touching on, it's kind of a, a different route for them to go for a kid's movie to kind of be, you know, yeah, there are these fun kind of characters or whatever, but the actual material, the subject matter is a little bit, you know, more real and a little bit more mature than things that they typically do. And I really liked the way they went with that route and the way they told the story. Nice. Um, I'll go next with my uh, number two. Number two, I have Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3 is a very special film to me for one very particular reason. The first Toy Story came out in 1995. I was four years old when it came out. Toy Story 3 came out in 2010. I was 18 and getting ready to head off to college, just like Andy was in the film. So just the parallels, just for me specifically with that film, were so so in line with where I was heading in my life that it spoke to me in a way that a lot of films can't do it. So Toy Story 3, very important for me and my number two Pixar film. Cameron, what do you have at number two? Yeah, so my number two is also Inside Out. Um, I Now, I will say, I think Inside Out is the best movie that uh, Pixar has made. Um, it is not my favorite, though. Um, but I do think it is the best. Just conceptually, this whole thing that kind of blew my mind is you have all these characters, you know, they're in um, the main character's mind. And, you know, they're telling this story and, you know, kids can kind of laugh and kind of be like, oh, this is funny or kind of... But like this entire movie is taking place inside of someone, a teenage girl who is absolutely deteriorating mentally. And I think that's kind of insane that they would do that and like insane in a good way, because that's a very risky thing to do. Uh, and they didn't care. Like they like they they took that and they turned a fan. They made a fantastic story with some incredible moments. Um, you know, something that's very funny, something that has an absolutely fantastic voice cast. I mean, of all of a ton of A-list celebrities, mm-hmm. uh, A-list actors, um, which is why I think it is the best. I think that is the strongest story that Pixar has ever told um, it has the strongest resolution that Pixar's ever had. Um, that's my number two. It's not my favorite, but I do think it is the best. Well, Let's Cameron stay with you then. Let's go into our number ones. What do you have as your number one Pixar film? All right. My personal favorite is Monsters, Inc. Wow. Monsters, Inc. I can watch. This is one of the few movies I can watch over and over and over and over and over again and never get tired of it. 
we want to talk about characters. Mike Wazowski, Sully, Boo, Randall. They're, I mean, they're all just so ridiculously, they're, they're funny. They're, their design is incredible. Like every, the character design in that movie, every monster looks so different, right? They have all this, this huge variety in mons of monsters we were talking in the good dinosaur episode we were talking about emotional endings that hit how can you tell me that monster inc doesn't have the most emotional ending when you know um he has to say goodbye to boo and you're like that's the last time he's ever gonna see him and then mike wazowski he comes to him with it literally blood all over his hands and is like hey i did something for you and he said, all you have to do is put in the last piece. And it ends with him opening the door and say, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. This movie <laughs> is absolutely incredible. It hits every single thing. It hits every single plot point. It hits every single emotional. I, I mean, this this movie is, it, it's, it's my favorite Pixar movie. I absolutely adore this movie. Joel, number one. My number one, another film that we kind of brought up a little bit during the Good Dinosaur episode, and one that may be surprising to a lot of people, uh, but my number one is Wally. Wally, okay, yeah, interesting. Just there is something about that film that just strikes a chord with me, and I know like the first third of it, there's no dialogue, um, but I mean, like you said with Monsters Inc. that you could watch it time and time again. I feel like I could do that with pretty much any Pixar film. Yeah. Um, maybe not Good Dinosaur, uh, <laughs> but I feel like I could you know do it time and time again. But uh, Wall-E's really a movie that I could just keep watching over and over again. The the tech, the the storytelling itself, um, the score, and just there's just so much about that movie that I love. So Wall-E's my number one. And my number one film. This probably isn't a surprise to anyone that knows me. My number one Pixar film is The Incredibles. Um, I think what Brad Bird did with that film is just exceptional to show the family dynamic and just show that like even these super-powered people struggle with their daily lives. And then to show the struggle of taking away the thing that they're best at and saying, you can't do this anymore. You have to go live a normal life. And just... Like, just the levels that they take Mr. Incredible, the Bob Parr character, early on in that, just the levels of, like, depression and sadness that he shows early on, and then the rise that he goes through to bring not only himself, but his family uh, out of that, and just them growing closer together as a unit, it's just really, I think it's an important message to a lot of people when it shows that, like, you know, thing, times can get really tough. Um, but with a good support system, you're able to get through it. And that's what uh, Mr. Incredible has with his family. So I think it's a fantastic message for Pixar. Plus, like Cameron touched on it earlier, it's just a well-done superhero movie before we had well-done superhero right. movies. They, like A lot of people joke that The Incredibles is basically a good Fantastic Four movie. And I think they're right on, the, I think they're right on line with that. Um, so The Incredibles my number one. So we are going to get into a nice discussion about all of these films, where we have them ranked, what missed out, why we left stuff out, why we had it where we did. Before we do that, though, just do a quick throw to our ads. So out of all of our lists here with our top five for Pixar, there was only one common denominator between the three of us, and that was Inside Out. Cameron, I know you, you love Inside Out, and you, oh, showed yeah. that, you showed that when discussing it in your list. Tell us a little bit more about Inside Out and just give us like a nice little deep dive into like the emotions that that movie takes us through. I want to be honest, it has been a little bit since I've seen it. So I all, all that stands out to me is like, um, well, the thing that, like I said, the thing that stands out to me most is that it's this girl dealing with all of these. I mean, you're seeing these emotions play out in her mind as she is literally running away from home. She is moved away from all of her friends. Her parents are fighting. She's in this weird new town and she has no idea. You know, she's going through, you know, she's young. She's hitting that stage in life where, um, you know, life is already confusing enough. And then you have to throw in all of these things that are just now happening, like moving, like not having any friends in a weird new town. And, seeing that played out in like with characters and like in a very very literal sense 
you know you see the different you know like the towns of like imagination or whatever they're literally collapsing in her mind and like losing like the area of friendship like and like it's mm-hmm. put it, it puts like everything the figurative stuff in our mind put into a, a very literal visual representation it's true it's it's ingenious like even like the thoughts and the memories right with like the little balls that roll in and they project on like that that's so creative and you know we've never i've never looked at pixar and been like oh they they aren't that creative or oh they are you know they're always inventing and they're always coming up with these very uh ingenious ideas but i think pixar and and also with soul these are this was like i don't want to say the first time but they just 100 percent were like let's just go for it let's just this could be absolutely insane this could be crazy let's go for it and that's not even all of that isn't even going into just how insane the animation is in inside out with all the particles that are like enjoys hair like everywhere i mean it's one of the best animated movies i've ever seen um it it doesn't feel like a pixar movie because i it feels like something even more it feels very adult in a way you know i think I think what's really interesting about this film is that you have like basically a child as your protagonist, mm-hmm. but this doesn't feel like a children's movie at no, all. No, not like, at all. And, and most Pixar movies don't feel that way, but a lot of their movies don't involve children as the main characters. Like, yes, the different, the five different emotions drive the story, specifically joy and sadness. They really like steer the ship on this one for us. But I think there's a little bit of a little bit of Riley and everybody, especially at that age. I think she's like either a young teenager or just just for four teenage years and is a little girl that literally had her entire life ripped away and at that age you don't understand the reasons for things like that to happen like she like like they talk about in the movie she doesn't get a say in what's happened with her family that they moved to san francisco and she lost all of her friends and she has to start over they this movie shows how difficult that process really can be on a child and i think it's something that a lot of people would be afraid to touch on and like a theme and pixar does great with this where they take on themes that a lot of people maybe would be too scared to talk about and they just hit it out of the park soul's another example of that um joelle why do you think inside out maybe like i know like critically it's like top five i believe it sits at like 98 or 99 percent on rotten tomatoes do you think that I'm kind of online here with thinking that Inside Out just really ha- there's something for everybody in this one? Yeah, you both absolutely touched on it. It's it's interesting because you look at all of Pixar's films and the only other ones that sort of have a human like main character would be Incredibles. I think, yeah. right? I mean, Toy Story, there's all the kids and stuff in that, but it's like they're not really well, There's Brave. Oh, yeah, Brave. Brave. Yeah, yeah. I forget about Brave all the time. <laughs> Who doesn't? Most, most people do. <laughs> um, but what was interesting with this was like because of the fact that we're inside Riley's mind that it literally feels like it's kind of like you're having Riley's POV you know it's not like you're watching this story happen to Riley you are going through this story with Riley Mm, and like you were saying right now Ryan everyone can relate to this we all had that time in our life whether it was early teens mid-teens late teens maybe even before your teens but we all kind of went through this like major emotional change at some point in our life that kind of shaped maybe who we are now, you know, or at least who we were starting to become to be at that time in our life. Um, and like you were both saying, it's, it was such an interesting and mature subject matter for Pixar to touch on. And the fact that they were able to do it so well and give both adults and younger audiences something to take out of it. It was, it's, it's phenomenal. It, like Cameron said, it probably is their best film that they've ever made because it, it's just, it really is on a league of its own. It's also insanely funny. Like, I yeah. think that's something yeah, that people forget so about Inside Out is like, writing wise, it is one of the funniest movies that Pixar has ever made. Absolutely. There's like so many one-liners. Like, I think this week alone, I've said, 
Way to go, San Francisco. You ruined, you ruined pizza. pizza. <laughs> yeah. Like I've That's said it like line. six times this For, week. First the Hawaiians, and now yeah. you. You know, there's there's the scene where they're all sitting at the table, and you know the they go inside their minds, and the dad's oh, got you that, know the that, hockey. That yeah. scene is incredible. It's it's you know, and then the mom, she's got like the Brazilian guy, uh-huh. and, all, and like, and then it goes into like, well, like the parents, they all have like kind of like this one emotion that's kind of in charge of everything, yes. where everything else yeah. is saying where Riley emotions are all over like literally Mm -hmm. like they don't know and like it's just so complete like it's just so complete it's an idea that has been thought out and meticulously planned and they went through every little bit and it's like it it's a idea that's been 100 realized Mm -hmm. and it's very rare and i I, and like i i don't want to say i don't want to talk badly about disney movies it's very rare that Disney is able to 100% realize their ideas. That's why I don't like Wreck-It Ralph. I know it's not Pixar because I feel like that movie could have been so much better than it was because it didn't, it didn't take its theme. It didn't take its concept and go all the way. Uh, but Pixar or sorry, uh, but inside out 100% does that. And that, you know, that's why it's one of my favorites. I think something that's really interesting about when we showed like the different motherboards, basically, it's not the joy character for each of them mm-hmm. that is in charge. For the mom, it's the sadness character, and for the dad, it's the anger character. Like it's really and and yes, like with those two, all of those characters are kind of similar from the brief glimpses that we get of them. Um, you learn a little bit more. They had the um, they had the Riley's first date short mm-hmm. that came out uh, a couple years after. I don't. Oh, remember which, that was great. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember which movie it was tagged uh, tagged to. But you learn a little bit more about what goes on in like the father's head and then a little bit more in the mother's head. You just it's just really interesting that they didn't have like the same format for everybody. Like the little right. girl has joy, the mother sadness, the father anger that's kind of draw driving the ship. So I think at that the, was really interesting. At the end of the movie when there's the big puberty button. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it's just I mean, that movie's so it's, good. Triple dent gum. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> It's like, how did this get in here again? <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> which, it's so uh, a movie that didn't come up, uh, what's it called? The Onward? Cameron, I haven't seen it, but when they go into the little gas station, Triple Dent Gum is one of the options on the Oh, show. really? Interesting. It is. Um, let's talk about the, let's call it the crown jewel of Pixar, I think most people would say. Let's talk about the Toy Story franchise as a whole. What None of us had Toy Story, any Toy Story film as our number one film. I, but what I think we can all agree that the franchise itself, Toy Story, is just an absolute win for Pixar. Um, I know that people can differ on which of the four is their favorite. Like I know I had three as my highest rated. Joel, you had one. Cameron, I don't believe you even had a Toy Story movie. No, I didn't have five. Toy Story. Right. Do we agree that Toy Story is the most important franchise, not film, franchise in regards to Pixar? Joel, what do you think about that? In terms of franchise for Pixar, yeah. I mean, they only have, what, uh, Toy Story, Cars, uh, and Incredibles. Or, yeah. and, and Finding well, Finding Nemo now, actually. Well, for, too. And, Monst- find... and well, Monsters, Inc. Oh, too. and Monsters, Inc. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. They did Monsters University. Uh, but no, absolutely. Toy Story, hands down, their most important and key franchise to their success. Um, like we kind of touched on earlier, Without Toy Story, none of this exists. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend um, Pixar Story, the documentary. It kind of discusses the early days of Pixar and how it came to be, and they talk about the production of Toy Story. Where that film came from to what it turned into is incredible. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended. Um, but well, yeah, one of the it's... one of the um, a lot of people may not know this. The original like story of it was Woody was basically the bad guy. Yeah. He was the villain. Um, because like they still have some of those beats in the first movie where like, you know, Woody gets jealous mm-hmm. of Buzz and he wants to get rid of him. But in the other one, he's just like a downright evil character. <laughs> like so just imagine like Cameron, I wanted to ask you this because I, I think I think everybody might have consensus here. When you think of Disney, do you think that Woody or Buzz, maybe both is one of their most important characters as an entity that Disney is because I feel like they're much more popular, even more so now than like Mickey Mouse himself. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not a huge fan of the Toy Story. Like, as far as Pixar goes, I would not. I wouldn't say like if I was to watch a Pixar movie, I wouldn't ever really choose a Toy Story just because they're not my thing. Um, but I mean, 
when I think of Pixar, I think of Toy Story. Exactly. It's, it's like they're, they're together, and it's the same thing with Disney. Like I, you know, Disneyland. Of course, like I think of Buzz Light. Like I think of Buzz Lightyear, and I think of Woody. Like, um, yeah, no, Toy Story is ingrained in not only in Pixar, but also in Disney. I think they are, you know, incredibly important. I think, you know, I think that they're good. Uh, just because they're not my personal, you know, they're not my personal thing you know doesn't mean i don't think they aren't great movies but um you know i think they are good i don't like toy story 2 i will say i don't i i think toy story 2 is not a good movie and that's my opinion i know joel you had oh did, no you didn't have no, two I, in there no i had toy story one uh, oh, yeah. toy story 2 is the weakest of the four i which think it, honestly? which it, before you say that which is crazy because toy story 2 has a 100 percent rating on and, and it's yeah. good i that's yeah. the thing is like i actually really do enjoy it there's some people out there who just cannot stand toy story 2 i can't stand they can't toy stand jesse they think she's annoying like all this stuff uh i i really do i enjoy toy story 2 i will sit there and watch it however of the four i do think it's the weakest four can maybe slip into that slot i think four's biggest issue is that they we spend so much time on this main cast of characters in these mm-hmm. three films and they get completely shelved in four. Yeah. So if that's gonna be the final Toy Story movie, which we don't know for sure if it's gonna be, I know Disney loves this franchise. They may make another one. They were never gonna make a third one. Uh yeah. but they did and it was great, and then they made the fourth years later. I just think the reason that I don't like four as much and I, I don't think I don't really like two or four all that much. I think three and one are exceptional films. Mm-hmm. I love both of them. Um but four I just think the biggest issue is like I spent you know like characters like Rex, Mr. Potato Head, Slinky Dog, Ham, those mm-hmm. are like childhood iconic characters for me because of how much time we spent with them in the first three movies. And especially at the end of three where you th- they have I wanted to talk about this scene, so let's talk about it now. The scene in the incinerator in Toy Story 3, <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't I couldn't keep it together in the theater watching that scene. Like it was an emotional roller coaster getting through that part cuz like you I think most of us assumed that they were going to make it out okay, but for some reason and Pixar did this really well, even if you're like 99% sure that they're going to be fine in that scene, that 1% is just destroying you on mm-hmm. the inside if you're a big Toy Story fan like myself. So I think the biggest issue with 4 is like some of those characters that I grew to just find so important just don't really get to do anything in the fourth movie. And I wasn't like mad when they announced the fourth film. I know there were some people out there who were like, ah, oh, just let it end. But had they never made another Toy Story film after Toy Story 3, it would have yep. been the perfect film to end on. I agree. I think we can all agree, though, that just in general, Pixar is not good at sequels i wanted to touch on that next actually Mm it's very interesting because let's talk about um for a while there toy story one and two they're just the follow-ups because they were still a young studio so you can't blame them really for doing a follow-up there but then some of these other films that got sequels they waited a really long time in between 14 years for incredibles incredibles got 14 years in between um i believe when did finding dory come out finding dory came out 26 16? So that's 13 years between uh-huh. Finding Nemo and Finding Dory then. Um, and then Monsters University after Monsters, Inc., which was a prequel sequel, essentially. Um, that was... 11 years, I believe, because I think yeah. it came out in 2014. So no, 12 years. Yeah, so that's a long hiatus between these movies. But then you have a franchise like Cars, which just... <laughs> I think it was every like three or four years they pumped out a new one. Like, I can't... You yeah. can't keep track fully of when they all came out, but it was just it was just odd that after so many years of nothing but original IPs mm-hmm. that they decided to go the sequel route. And Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, and Incredibles were movies that we all mentioned on our lists yeah. um, as some of our favorites. Do you guys think that these sequels that are maybe not maybe they are worse than their originals? Do you think that any of these hamper Pixar like like do you do you think that they should stay away from sequels basically is what I want to get at because we've had some good ones but some of their more recent ones really aren't that good. Joel, what do you think about that question? I'm okay with them making the sequels. Honestly, I really don't mind them. Again, I touched on this. I haven't seen Cars 2 and 3, only two Pixar films I haven't seen. Um, but all the other sequels, though they don't live up to what the originals were, 
I don't think we're bad in any way. Yeah. Um, I actually really liked Monsters University. Um, I did too. I, I like that yeah, movie. Yeah, Finding Dory is pretty good as well. Um, Incredibles too was it was great. You know, it was not what Incredibles was, but it was no. still a very fun film. Um, so I, I don't mind the sequels, and especially if it's going to be maybe a way for them to give first-time directors a chance to use an IP that's already established to kind of you know test the waters a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't mind the sequels at all. Yeah, I, I I think that I think that when it comes to the sequels, if they have interesting ideas, that they're you know it's fine uh, to you know have these idea you know these ideas in these worlds that already exist like um i did like i did not like incredibles 2 just don't think it was that good but it you know they had an idea and they tried it like i think and especially incredibles definitely could have it was one of the movies that originally was like okay this could very much have a sequel and so it didn't feel like it was like yeah they left it with a exactly it didn't feel like it was something where like oh this is purely a cash grab uh whereas something like finding nemo Finding Dory did not need to ha- like did not no. need to happen and like it I didn't. I no. think Finding Dory is actually pretty good I think for a sequel and for what it is it's good I don't think it should exist um it very much is one that feels like a cash grab like and uh, like not in a cash grab and like it felt like a cheap movie like it, they it, you know you could tell they put their time into it because it, you know it's pretty good um but it's just like these characters their stories are done nemo you know nemo is the, the, you know nemo's dad reconnected dory's part of the family now and i understand why they make those movies because sequels make money the worry would be is if they're all they're doing is making sequels and that's what their focus is on right but as we can tell what just came out a couple of weeks ago it was soul you know it's they're still making these original films that are out of the world spectacular. So, you know, if they need to make a sequel every once in a while, that's fine to give us something like soul. That's spectacular. I have no issue with that. That's what I was going to say is I think that's a, I think they almost use the sequels as filler for lack of a better term. You know, it's like we have this huge project that is going to come out eight years from now, but we know we have the character models for this movie can we do a sequel with this? Whatever, you know, things where they already have pieces of it that they know they can maybe finish this film two years faster than an original film. That buys us time. You know, that yeah. gives the studio a release until we can get to that next original. We talk about some of the sequel films that have come out, but then there's also a lot of these Pixar movies that don't have sequels attached to them. I want to see... I have one in particular, but I want to get your guys' thoughts. Do you think there are any of these original original idea Pixar films that could have a sequel. Um, I ha- I think one that is an easy call, not that they should make it, that could make it. I think like soul couldn't have a sequel. I really mm-hmm. don't. I really yeah. don't think it could, it wouldn't work. It doesn't make sense. No. Um, I don't really think Ratatouille works with a sequel. Like, I think it would just be weird. Like, yeah, he's a famous chef now, but right. he's going to get into more hijinks. Like, I just don't think it works. Um, even Coco would be a tough one to do a sequel with because, like, yeah, is, no. is he going to go he back? Goes back to, yeah, to yeah. The, yeah, yeah he would, dies for real this yeah, time. Doc Brown. Yeah, yeah. Doc Brown. Yeah, it was not make, you. It's not you. Uh, what's name? Why can't I think of his name? Uh, oh, what a bit. What is his name? In what? In Back to the in Future. Coco. Oh, in Coco. Uh, which character? Miguel. The Miguel. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. think of Miguel. Then. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't think. I think there's those that just do not work. I think one that could have a sequel. And I don't think it will just because of when it came out. I think Onward is a movie that could have a sequel. Um, Just because the premise, and maybe it's like a flaw in the movie as to why it could have a sequel, but the premise sets up where it could just be a franchise because it's just two brothers going on an adventure. And it wouldn't be as good because the, the adventure in the first one is perfect, where they're trying to spend one last day with their deceased father. Um and I, I think I'm probably going to have Onward the highest out of all of us. I had it just outside of my top five. I think it had it like seventh out of all of the I love that movie. I think it, I think the brother's journey between them is fantastic. And because of that, I would love to see another sequel just because I like those characters. Similar to Incredibles where I love Incredibles so much and I know that Incredibles 2 has some flaws. But I like those characters so much I didn't care. I had a great time seeing it. Uh, Cameron, is there a Pixar movie that doesn't have a sequel that you think could make one? No. Yeah, I think it's hard. No, I, I I hope to God they don't make a sequel for Inside Out. <laughs> no, oh man, you know, I highly doubt they would. Yeah, there is a story there. I don't think they'll do it. Oh yeah, I could totally see yeah, there's there being. A, there's definitely a story there, but you know, has Pete Doctor hasn't done a sequel, has he? No. So 
Yeah, because he didn't even do Monsters University, right? Oh, Dan no. Scanlon. Right. So he his own I his own film, they did a sequel and he didn't even want to do mm-hmm. it. So um Joel, do you think there's one? Uh again, I'm sort of on the, the boat with Cameron of what hasn't gotten a sequel yet. I don't necessarily know if I would want one. Right. But a world that often gets overlooked that I think could be fun would be Bugs Life. I w- um, yeah. I wanted to talk about Bugs Life. So maybe something, you know, like maybe there's going to be a housing development and where their currently colony is, you know, and they need to find a new home, them adventuring. I'd, I'd love to see like the bugs interacting with like the human world a little bit. Like B movie. Yeah. Like B movie, <laughs> but, but not as on the nose, you know, um, but I'd love to see them, you know, like in a city and stuff like that. I, I think that'd be kind of a fun world. I think it would be interesting, but like, I don't, I just really, it's really tough because if you went back I guess to like what 2010 before Incredibles 2 Finding Dory and Monsters University came out and you asked the same question uh, to people like do you think these three movies could have sequels I feel like Incredibles they would have said yes um, but they waited too long to do the Incredibles sequel I certainly think they 14 years was way too long even though Brad Bird was very busy I get it but it was too long Uh, Finding Nemo absolutely not nobody would have said that and I think Monsters Universe I think Monsters Inc Cameron I really want to get your opinion on this I think a sequel could have worked for Monsters Inc well, I, hold on, well, hold I, on, I almost, stay, no, stay with yeah, me here. Go ahead. I think that what they chose to do as like a prequel sequel, I just don't think it was the right route. If you were going to do a sequel for this film, they kind of teased, not not in a way that absolutely sets up for another film, but they kind of teased at the end of the first one, like you mentioned, that he goes back into the human world and he sees Boo. Like, don't you think that... I'm not saying you think they should have done this, but don't you think that if they were going to do a second iteration of these characters, that maybe that was the direction that people would have wanted to see? I mean, I don't know what most people would want to see. I know what I'd want to see, and that's no sequel. Um, I, I honestly, if they were going to visit the characters of Mike Wazowski and Sully again, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I can't, I don't think there's a way where I could get over the fact that Sully now has to live his life without Boo. You know, I think that that's, that's hard. And so I don't like, I, I feel, I don't know how he works. I don't know if he goes through a whole grievance process. I'm sure that would probably take a while for him. Um, but I, I'd much rather see him before that. And like, so I, what I have been like, Hey, they should make a prequel where we see them in college no hell no um but i wouldn't have made a sequel for them either and so honestly having it be a prequel rather than a sequel i think i I, if they were to make one i personally that's what i would prefer i wish they just left it alone though right do you think that maybe you feel that way about a prequel more so because it could cause less damage to the original like you know sometimes a sequel that's a good point uh, sometimes a sequel can make you rethink the first film just because they're they tie in together in a certain way but if the second one is bad you just may like not always but maybe don't feel as strongly about the first one so you think maybe a prequel was yeah a that's a good route. that's a good that's a good point because i yeah. i don't want anything to like i said the ending of monsters inc i think is the best ending that i think it's like one of the best endings that pixar has done i mean it's, it's perfect it's perfect it um what I want to do before um, before we uh, get closer to wrapping up this special episode, I just want to see if we can go around and talk about our favorites a little more in depth because we all had different number ones. Um, Joel, you had. Can uh, I interrupt real quick? I'm really I'm really interested because Joel had Ratatouille on his list, and neither of us had Ratatouille, and. Ratatouille is one of my uh, one of my least favorite originals. Okay, from, yeah. And so I'm really curious because, and, and this is something Ratatouille has really really good reviews. Like on Metacritic, it has a 95. It has the highest uh, Metacritic of all um, of all Pixar movies. I don't understand it. I I've watched that movie multiple times. It's my so sister's. So the rat favorite. is actually the chef. oh my god it's my sister's favorite uh pixar movie so i've seen it multiple times i don't get what's so great about that movie like and i know you like it so could you explain to me why you like it yeah so let me start with this this list is very hard honestly like ryan was saying he was editing it down to the last minute 
you guys, I didn't have Incredibles on my list. I could probably wiggle Incredibles in there and take something else out. Like there are so many movies that I could swap around. Yeah. Um, but at least today, Ratatouille landed at number five for me. Um, we don't talk about it a lot on the regular feed, but I am really, really big into film score. Um, and music is a huge part of like all these films for me. And I think Ratatouille's score alone launches it way up there for me. Um, the story is just a lot of fun. Again, I love food. I love the culinary arts. Movies about cooking and chefs. And I mean, I have a poster of Chef on my wall right here. Like that's a great. Movie. I love films that are based around that type of you know environment. Um, the actual world itself. You know, I know they're they're in in France, but in Paris, but just the way it looked and visually it was so beautiful um and i think brad bird just did it excuse me brad bird did a great job with the film i i can't really speak like you said for everyone else i don't know why it's rated so high because i feel like honestly when i talk to a lot of other people not too many people actually rate ratatouille that high in you know their favorite pixar films i have one friend who i know it's her favorite film uh but for me it's just it's it's a combination of a handful of things again the, the score the visuals when they're outside in Paris, the story itself of anyone can cook, you know, as cliche and boring as it is, it's, it, it hits some strings, you know, and I, I don't know. I really like the film. It, it gives me a lot of good feelings. There's a lot of good, funny moments. And I just think as a whole, it was, it was a solid piece. You know, it didn't really seem to have too much missing. No, it's cool. a fair, it's a fair point. Um, I'm, I'm on Cameron more so with this, that Ratatouille's kind of, I think it's a middle of the pack film. And I really, <laughs> didn't understand the mass appeal behind it i think another one that could be in that line is also wally which you had first mm -hmm. a lot of people don't connect with wally as much because maybe they just don't appreciate the first act of that film where it's just him on the trash planet just scavenging and first meeting eve um why do you have wally as your favorite in particular like out of all of these why wally i I'm kind of a sucker for like like a love story kind of you know not, not all of my I really don't have a lot of films that are like love stories that are like really one of my favorites not to bring up our favorite La La film Land. here but La La Land you know is is <laughs> one that, you know, that I could bring up right off the bat I did um, not bring it up this yeah, episode it, it for me, the record the, lo um, the love story between yeah. John John Legend and his band and yeah his, yeah um but just from a storytelling or storytelling storytelling <laughs> standpoint this may just be, be just because I've, you know, looked into it so much, but like Andrew Stanton's telling of that story was just so beautiful, especially mm -hmm. that first, you know, third where we're not hearing any dialogue from Wally, the way he expresses himself, you know, with his eyes and, and how he goes all in trying to, you know, impress Eve and, and Eva and like all this stuff. Like it's just, it was so beautiful. Again, going back to what I was just talking about with Ratatouille, it has a Thomas Newman score. Thomas Newman's my favorite film composer in, in the world. It, it's just beautiful. The Everything on the ship is just a ton of fun when they're on the Axiom. Like, there's so many little things that I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, if this were real life, this would be so interesting. The, the meals that they have that are in the smoothies. They're like, hey, let's go to the driving range. And they're hitting, like, virtual golf balls into space. Like, this whole world that they developed off of Earth where we're all living on these cruise ships in outer space it was just so much fun uh define dancing that entire sequence it's just gorgeous and i unfortunately never saw this film in theaters i actually Me didn't neither. see it until uh it was released on dvd um and it's always something that i look back on kind of with regret because i would have loved to see this film in theaters and for whatever reason it just always remains at the top of my list for me because i love it and i, I could watch it over and over and over there's a couple films that we didn't touch on that I just want to feel like should get a little bit of highlight before we get ready to wrap up this episode. And one of them Joel mentioned briefly earlier was A Bug's Life. Bug's Life was the second film in Pixar history, 1998. Do we think that maybe Bug's Life doesn't get as much love because either A, the animation is a little dated, whereas like Toy Story is a franchise that has kept going and we see them upgraded over over the years. We don't notice it as much, whereas Bugs Life is kind of just, it happened and we've moved on. Or do we just think really it's just not as interesting of a story as some of these other ones? Cameron, what do you think about Bugs Life? Bugs Life is my least favorite Pixar movie. Wow, wow. Um, 
I, uh, I, I, I actually prefer Toy Story 2 to Bugs Life, wow. um, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I opened up a can of worms, no pun intended. No, I, I, I specifically didn't bring up Bugs Life because, I, yeah, I just don't think Bugs Life is good. Like, I, I've seen it probably four or five times, and I'll, more than that, like, it's been on more than four or five times. I mean, it's on, like, when in elementary school, that movie's on in, like, every classroom. Um <laughs> But, like, I've seen the whole thing four or five times, and it's just, I don't know. I find the story, annoy- like, annoying. I, like, the like the whole circus thing I find annoying. Um, I don't, I just don't like how the story progresses. It, it, it could just be, like, a weird, like, thing for me where I just don't like the the plot points. Like, oh, the food is out, so we have to go get, you know, the, I don't like the bird I don't like, you know, I don't like the animation with that. I I just, I just don't like it. It feels, it's very, the whole movie is just kind of jarring for me. It just has like a jarring feeling of like, I don't connect with any of this. I don't like any of this. Um, I would rather watch The Good Dinosaur than, um, wow. than Bug's Life. Wow. <laughs> so, what a, what a I, I know, take. I know that is a very controversial opinion to have about a bug's life i yeah i i bug's life is definitely my least favorite pixar movie the bad boy of podcasting strikes again uh brave i feel like is a pixar film that feels kind of out of place compared to some of their other ones um joelle you mentioned brave briefly as one that you didn't think of in terms of your least favorite pixar movies a little bit why do you think Brave just really misses the mark? Like this time the pun was intended. Misses the mark <laughs> in terms of Pixar films. I mean, honestly, I really couldn't tell you because I do know a handful of people that enjoy Brave, and it has its good moments. Mm-hmm. For me, honestly, the, the reason I don't care for Brave is Merida just drives me insane. Yeah. Like, her character is just annoying. You know, I don't even think it's the accent necessarily or, you know, I just something about her drives me insane. There are, like I said, there are some really funny moments in Brave, but I've seen that movie from beginning to end once, and like I don't have any desire to go and watch it again. If some, if it's on and, and they're cool, but I'm not gonna seek it out. It's the same thing with Good Dinosaur. It just doesn't feel like a Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's their only princess film. It is, yeah. And it's really funny that line in Wreck It Ralph 2 where she's talking with her Scottish accent and yeah. nobody understands her. And I don't remember which princess says it. And like, she's from the other studio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just... I think it's us, uh, either Cinderella or Snow White. She's, That's she's from the other studio. Them. That's a good line. Um, well, fellas, I'd like to say that with our Pixar episode, we have touched on every single franchise in the Pixar, uh, uh, Pixar, Pixar universe per se that we have here we've touched on all of them a little bit um as our closing statements we all had our number ones we've all had different number ones i just want you guys to say one last thing about your number one films to leave the audience with joelle why don't you go first with wally go watch andrew stan's ted talk and go listen to the score phenomenal stuff beautiful film always my favorite cameron give us our final note on monsters inc monsters inc is as perfect as you can get for a movie it's funny it's creative i mean the scene where mike wazowski is watching uh boo's costume go through the um trash compactor and he comes out with this um box of trash and he's like i fear it's like i can hear her voice and then all the little kids are in there she's like he's like how many little kids are in this thing (laughs) i mean that's hilarious that's that's prime comedy right there um like i said monsters inc has everything you could ever want not only in a kids movie but i think everyone felt it at the very end where you know or we have someone that you know we love or someone that's important in our life and all we want is to see them one last time uh and solely got that you know and it was a beautiful moment and it's it's i mean it's as good as it gets for the animation the last thing i want to say about the incredibles before we wrap up here i think in a lot of movies, you'll have a supporting cast of sorts that doesn't really fit the dynamic with the rest of the cast. I think Toy Story does this really well with their cast, but there are so many characters in that one. This one is about family, and I think Pixar's core values 
for their studio is about the family film experience. So to have the the father who's trying everything he can to keep the family afloat, the mother who's trying to hold everything down at the house, and then the adolescent children, the teenage daughter who's going through the rigors of high school, the adolescent son who's trying to figure out where he fits in in the world and why, and questioning everything that he's being told. And then, of course, the baby, Jack-Jack, um, who's just arguably the most entertaining part of the film at the end, plus a fantastic extra character in Frozone and then a great villain in Syndrome. I think all of the main characters in this film kind of, and the family in particular, hit different beats that can relate to everybody that goes and sees that film. And plus, superhero films are what's popular now, so might as well check out The Incredibles while you're at it. So, fellas, that will conclude our special edition episode uh, about our top five Pixar films. Before we go, just one final shout-out to the GOAT himself, John Ratzenberger, who has voiced a single character in every single one of these films. Yeah. I'm going to take Ham out of the running. Who is your favorite John Ratzenberg character? Joel, you go first. Mac, I think. I think I have to go with That's Mac. That's who I was <laughs> yeah. going to say. Yeah, Mac. Because they Mac. have the thing at the end of the movie yeah. where he goes through all of his characters. He's like, that guy sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mac, Mac or uh, or the Abominable Snowman. Yep, I feel like those yeah. are the two, the two best options. Yeah. Yeah. All right, fellas. Well, that'll do it here. Thank you all so much for joining us for a special edition episode of the I'd Like a Refund podcast. We will come back down the road, of course, with our main feed and some special edition episodes going forward. But until next time, thank you.